On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One of a kind opinions, big name guests, the teams you care about every, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Welcome to the Ron Johnson Show, and I'm your host, Ron Johnson. I'm super excited about today's show. Why? We're going to introduce a new game in the second segment. It's called Sit or Start. Sam Ekstrom is going to run that for me. Going to be a fun one, so stay tuned for that. We're going to talk a little bit about college NILs. Is it ruining college sports, or is it just doing what they should have been doing from the get-go? And then, of course, we got to talk the Minnesota Wild. They have a game tonight. Is this a, a do-all, end-all, be-all type of game? Or if they go down 0-2, to two, can they somehow still find a way to rattle off four wins and possibly win in seven? Winning in six if they down uh, 0-2, it's going to be impossible. I'm just going to say it. There's no way to win four straight games. I don't think in any sport unless you just sweep somebody and that's more of momentum. But trying to get a sweep after being down 0-2, that might be the first time in history. But as I bring my producer Sam Extra in, Sam, you look at the NCAA and you look at the president of the NCAA stepping down. You know, he said the structure he had created and set up, it just doesn't feel like the direction uh, that he wants to go with the NCAA. My guess is he doesn't agree with any of the stuff that's kind of been forced. Um, because again, if you're the president, you can kind of, you can only hold on so long before the noise and the people are loud enough, which that's what happened. NILs now exist, name, image, likeness. When you look at name, image, likeness, um, college coaches are getting paid. You know, you look at Clemson, for instance, Justin Ross, great freshman year, kills it. One of the best freshman seasons, um, I've seen, you know, led Clemson to a national championship. He was part of that team as well. After that, Dabble Sweeney gets a ton of money. Dabble Sweeney gets a ton of endorsements, commercials. He's doing all kinds of stuff. Justin Ross got nothing. Because why? NILs, or at least legally, got nothing. Because NILs did not exist. Justin Ross now goes undrafted. So he could have cashed in a couple of years ago as a freshman on some of his success as a national champion. And made up for maybe the signing bonus he did not get. Yes, we know injuries were a part of it, but that's part of the game. But again, these kids are putting their life on the line sometimes playing this sport because we've seen kids get paralyzed. We've seen kids' life completely change. And they walk away with nothing to show for it because sometimes they don't even finish college. They don't, you know, they just, they drop out. Some do get an education, but it's a life-altering injury or something that completely changes the scope of their life. And they don't get paid for it, where coaches are getting paid at every turn. So, Sam, my question to you, and I and I will kind of rebuttal with my response of what I would have done. But my question to you, Sam, is sports-wise, we know it's really just football, basketball right now that's in the forefront. Women's basketball, of course, Paige Beckers. It's all about who's on TV, who's being seen. You look at softball for women, um, you know, the Sis Bates types, you know, she's now with Adidas, but she's out of college. I think more of that's going to come as these girls are, are, are in the forefront of hitting home runs. I know the girl from Oklahoma that, that leads the country in, in batting percentage and home runs. Um, she's getting a little bit of money. Uh, baseball, same thing. There's going to have to be a fire thrower. You know, 100. And I saw there's a kid at Tennessee throwing 105 miles an hour. That's ridiculous. Um, you know, you're going to have some companies that want to talk to him. 
But there's not a lot of other guys on there. I mean, hockey, yep, you're the same thing. You're going to have those top hockey guys, the Hobie Baker Award winner. Some of these kids are going to get some looks from some, some companies. But the average NIL deal right now is $50. I don't know who can pay for college with 50 bucks because some people are saying, oh, let's do away with scholarships then and let the kids just make money. Well, not every kid is making Alabama quarterback money. Not every kid is going to make this top money. So, Sam, do you think – that it's going to grow or is it really just going to always stick to football basketball um and then maybe you know a little hockey here and there but football basketball as this goes forward it feels that way i mean i i think that it's sort of you know it's it's capitalism right like the you are your own sort of entity and if you work for or play for a football powerhouse or a basketball powerhouse you're going to be in that top 1% where you are able to cash in and make significantly more than very good athletes at less exposed sports. Um, I would, let me put this back on you, Ron. I, I mm. want you to think of yourself as a star receiver at Minnesota. Think about Jordan Addison right now, mm -hmm. okay. Pittsburgh receiver, Blitnikoff award winner, probably going to be a first round pick next year. He's a, he's a sophomore, going to be a junior. Um, he's basically a college football free agent and he might be worth millions. He's entered the transfer portal. Um, there's talk of tampering because every blue blood program wants him. Mm -hmm. That that's the situation that, that I think about. And I, I wonder like, is, is it going too far when you basically have people vying for your services, um, potentially with seven figure, dollar amounts um how would you have approached that situation if you were in jordan addison's shoes well first of all so jordan addison you look at his freshman year the numbers are scary for the simple fact of 666 kid has 60 catches 666 yards so that's a little bit of an omen scary there i don't know <laughs> i don't know what the numbers mean i don't know if he's a killer on the field or i i don't know what that means but that's that's a little scary for me but you know Everybody's not a numbers person. Uh, freshman year, you know, 69 plays. Some people might love that. Uh, four TDs, though. So you look at the four TDs, um, 69 runs or plays from scrimmage, 724 yards uh, total. You know, so 724 total of his 69 plays uh, and four touchdowns. Then you turn around in his sophomore year, as you alluded to, you know, top receiver in the country, 18 touchdowns. Eight touchdowns that's a ridiculous jump that's over 400 growth if you think about where he's coming gone um you look at 100 catches you look at 1500 yards 17 tds in the air 18 total so this kid here at 100 catches 1500 yards now this is the thing first if the nil did not exist but the transfer porter did I honestly believe this kid probably still would have hit the market. Why? Because Kenny Pickett left. And a lot of guys, you look at Clemson, look at Justin Ross, and maybe this is where he's getting this from. Justin Ross stayed after, what's his name, Trevor Lawrence left. Had a great year with Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence leaves, subpar. Now injury is part of it. But maybe that changed where people didn't see him as a T. Higgins. Because everybody assumed, I mean, a 6'4", Long, not fast, you know, but 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 good. Uh, it was like T. Higgins light. That's the thought. That's the thought I had, at least. Well, now, no Trevor Lawrence. Justin Ross is not the big name everybody thought. Clemson's not in the playoff like they had been.
So maybe that's where Addison is kind of going. Like, man, my quarterback's gone. I need to go somewhere where there's a top quarterback. You know, what are some of these schools that have top quarterbacks? Well, USC is going to have one. That that seems like there's a lot of money in LA. USC just had one of the top receivers in the draft. You know, and so I think for a guy like Addison, honestly, I think Addison, you know, this whole three years out of college, if uh, 1,500 yards, let the guy go to the NFL. Like, let him leave. After sophomore year, let him go. Like, I, I don't believe freshman because an 18, 19-year-old in the NFL, but you're 19, 20? What's, what's one more year going to do a college football besides maybe get him hurt? So I don't see anything wrong with it. Um, tampering, he's in the portal. It's, 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 it's now he's transferring. So any company, that, you know, in that area can reach out to him and say, hey, if you sign with USC, bro, you're going to have a car deal with Ford of, of California, you know, my car dealership. So it is what it is. Like when guys get drafted, nobody cares that the local car company gives them a car. You know, when LeBron got drafted, you know, the Hummer was a big deal until LeBron went to the NBA. In high school, oh, LeBron's got a Hummer. How'd he get a Hummer? In the NBA, oh, who cares? LeBron has a Rolls Royce, Hummer, Maybach. Nobody cares. And so when you look at the amount of money Kenny Pickett and this kid bought to the school this past year, marketing, jerseys, all that stuff, I, I think players should be allowed to cash in. Like, that's just me. If it was me, I'm in there. I'm, I'm, I'm transferring. Especially like looking at my situation, losing quarterbacks, possibly losing my coach. Like Glenn Mason almost went to Ohio State. I decided to come back for my senior year. Bad choice. Um, I ended up getting hurt because he made me play spring ball. Now I see why Chris Hoffman Bell didn't play spring ball. It's, it's no value, especially for me as a as a senior, knowing I'm grad, you know, I'm gonna be in the NFL. I could have left early. And I'm, you know, I'm gonna be a draft pick and I'm gonna be the starter. Like there's nobody that's gonna take my spot. I shouldn't have done spring ball. I ended up hurting my knee. So when I went to the draft process, everybody's checking my knee. Year before, they're like, oh, man, you're a top five, top six receiver. Next year, I mean, I was still top 10. I was like ninth, I think ninth receiver taken. But everybody's at the combine checking my knee. I had to go to doctor's appointments. I had to go meet with trainers. Everybody, how's the knee? You didn't have surgery. You, you sprained your MCL. You had a partial tear in your MCL, your PCL. You know, all this stuff happened to my knee in spring ball. And not even playing. It was one-on-ones. An idiot freshman tackled me after I beat him for a touchdown in one-on-freaking-ones. So there's so much that goes on in football. It's a grown man's game. You can get hurt at any time. Cash in, young fella. I'm all for it. Cash in because nobody, life's not there. There's people cashing in on stocks that people think they shouldn't be because it's insider trading. So if that young fella can use his own name, he's not getting a handout from anybody. He earned that money. He earned that name, that image, and that likeness. He made it what it is. Kent, uh, Addison, Jordan Addison without football in the stats, that name is not going to ring bells. Now, 1,500 yards, 1,600 yards, his name rings bells. But coming up next, I'm excited about this segment. Sam came up with it, and I love it. It's called Start or Sit. Stick around for that next up on the Ron Johnson show. But first, make sure you check out our daily show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's Superior Sports Talk with Carol Levin's sports director, Reggie Wilson, and his producer, Luke Inman. Here, Reggie and Luke go back and forth about the latest Minnesota sports five days a week. Find it on the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcast feeds. Well, now it's time on the Ron Johnson show for a new segment. We're going to call it 
start or sit or sit or start however Sam wants to do it. It's his game. It's his show. Take it away, Sam. All right, we've got some Minnesota Vikings rookies that I think are right on the verge of being in that Minnesota Vikings starting lineup. I've got three scenarios for you. Mm -hmm. Let's break it down. Number one, second round pick Andrew Booth Jr., the cornerback. You're just talking about Clemson in the first segment. He's a, a Clemson kid, and I think he will be competing with Cameron Dantzler for that outside corner spot. So Andrew Booth Jr., Ron, start or sit? Oh, that's a tough one, but I'm going to say start. The reason I say start Andrew Booth Jr. is because you know what you have in Cam Dantzler. Cam Dantzler, if has to, if he has to come in, he's done it. He's come in. But there's one thing I will say. We do know Cam Dantzler has had some issues on Twitter. Uh, he's shown his emotions when he thinks he should be starting. Uh, he's he's had to delete some tweets. He's, he's, he's said some things that he probably shouldn't have said to the world. Um, we know these young, new players twitter is their outlet for their anger or their disappointment or their their happiness whatever it is they're going to share it with the world they think it it should be said to the world something should not but you know what you have in cam dantzler now granted mike zimmer's defense we've heard the complexities within it we don't know what ed donatel's coverages are going to look like we don't know how mike Pettin's going to get these guys lined up we don't know what the db coach is going to teach so it's going to be a new look team so training camp is going to matter but to draft a guy of Andrew Booth Jr.'s caliber, his uh, athleticism, he said it's the first time he feels like he's been healthy because he's had to battle so many injuries. I say put him out there. You know, put him out there. Let him learn from Patrick Peterson. You got some great safeties back there now. I'd say put him out there. Start him. You sit Cameron Dantzler. Hey, halfway through, if it's not going well, you know what you can get out of Dantzler. But you also have a great rotation. Get him in there, let him start. Then you can pull him out in certain situations, put Dancer in. But I think he needs to start. Yeah, Cameron Dancer's got to be just rolling his eyes because last year he had to compete with Brashad Breland, right? He yep. thought he was the starter going into training camp, and then Breland comes along, and suddenly Dancer's got to compete, and he lost that battle. Yep. Um, even though Breland wasn't very effective, Breland held on to that job. For most of the season, Dantzler got COVID for a spell, missed some time. Seemed like he just he could never get that starting spot, even though I think he might have been the better corner against Breland when all was said and done. Uh, now he's got to compete with a rookie, you know, and I think the last coaching staff probably would have, you know, slowed this rookie along and eased him in, didn't not give him too much too fast. But I wonder if this coaching staff is a little more progressive kind of throwing rookies into the mix and just trusting them to go figure it out. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually think Andrew, Andrew Booth Jr. has a pretty good chance to start as well if he's healthy. If he is, um, may the best man win. Give him every chance to win that job, I would say. And it's not a, not a bad thing to have a Cameron Dantzler as your top backup because you know you're going to need him. You're right. going to need a fourth corner at some point. Right. Oh, for sure. You got to have a deep rotation. All right, what's next? All right, we got another Cameron. Cameron Bynum, we thought he was going to be the starting safety on this team, but now the first-round pick, Lewis Seen, who might be coming on the show later this week, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Um, he is going to compete pretty hard, I think, for that starting role as well. So uh, Lewis Seen, Ron, starter sit. Yeah, I don't want to be biased. Um, I feel like Lewis Seen could possibly become a friend of the Ron Johnson show um, that we we can call upon throughout the year. Um, so selfishly, I'm going to say start, but in honest reality, I mean, we heard Ryan Clark earlier this week, we, we talked about his range, 
uh, his ability, his uh, seek and destroy mentality. You don't have a lot of safeties. They really want to seek, kill, and destroy. Um, seeing himself says it. Like, this is one sport I can absolutely kill somebody on the field and not go to jail for it. So um, I, I think Bynum becomes a rotational safety. Um, you look at the past rotational safeties, um, like an Andrew Sandejo, who became a starter. Um, I think Bynum is better from a coverage standpoint, from a heads up standpoint, from a not going to get you a stupid penalty standpoint. Um, when you look at the rotation of coverages, I think scene becomes your deep back in guy, six, two long rangy can cover a lot. Uh, Harrison Smith's your, I can sneak blitz you, um, get a lot out of you. Cam Bynum, they can blitz, but they also can Bynum as a former cornerback in college can cover. So if I put him in in the dime or nickel situation where he's a nickel backer for Cam Bynum um, or scenes my nickel backer, but I would probably say Bynum. Now you have a nickel backer who can cover the tight end. Um, and it's not like because we know we saw what the Rams did to the Vikings when they would motion guys out, get Anthony Barr one on one. The minute they knew they had Anthony Barr one on one, they picked on him. Um, that no longer what you would hope would be the situation if you can use your safeties as an additional nickel backer in that, you know, three receiver, one running back set, one tight end, um, where your running back becomes a receiver. So I, I, I do like to, I would say, start seeing, uh, sit Bynum, but Bynum's in the rotation. Yeah. If Bynum hadn't played those two games last year where he was brilliant, then I think I would easily say seen. But the fact that we've seen Bynum look so good in a starting role almost makes me lean Bynum right away. And I think they both see the field in some mm -hmm. packages, like you said. Um, you know, ordinarily, we wouldn't be so high on Bynum, who's a converted corner. He's a fourth-round pick. Like, his resume doesn't suggest that he would be a star, but he looked incredible when he was on the field in that Baltimore game. Um, and then I think it was Los Angeles after that. He was really good. So I'm going to lean Bynum on the start, sit scene right away, but get him in on the field in those uh, passing situations. Okay, I like it. All right, you got one more? Um, yeah. All right, Ed Ingram, second round guard. Actually, the highest drafted guard the Vikings have had in 17 years. As our Cleveland remember, he was a tackle. He converted to guard. This is the highest true guard they've taken since 2005. Mm -hmm. um, is Ed Ingram going to start, or do you take the field? That would be Ole Udo, Wyatt Davis, Chris Reed, Jesse Davis. I might be I might be forgetting somebody. Austin, Austin Schlotman. Schlotman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you take Ed Ingram or the field? So we know Ezra Cleveland probably, you know, he's your default, you know, left or right, you know, depending on who wins that other job and how they, you know, they're going to move pieces around, I think, in the uh, training camp OTAs, uh, mainly training camp once they get pads on. And then for sure, preseason, they're going to probably play around with a couple different looks and see which group gets the best, you know, out of production out of it. Um, when you look at Ezra Cleveland, and this is this is just quick twitch and I might be wrong. You can put Ezra Cleveland left. Because now Darisaw is your big beefy on the left tackle. Brian O'Neill being your more svelte tackle on the right, you can put an Ed Ingram in at 320, and that gives you a bigger body in there. Um, at 6'4", longer arms, longer body of the group. I mean, we know Oliudo's 320, but he doesn't play like it, in my opinion. Schlotman's more like a slender guy at 6'6", 300. He also has played center, so I know that was our conversation before, too, about you know they didn't address it. Well, I think Schlotman kind of feels your swing center guard, 
uh, where something if, if Bradbury's not going, Schlotman's going to come in and play center. Um, we probably will see him as the two center to start out um, in, in training camp and in C. Um, he said some some of these second, third round guards, it's tough sometimes to get everything out of them and for them to grasp the system early and fast enough to be able to compete. So this is where I leave that. In my mind, my emotions want to say Ingram. Everybody, just like we did with Wyatt Davis, and maybe that's I'm learning from past relationships that have hurt me. Um, we all got bought into Wyatt Davis and his Ohio State tape, and he looked great in college. Um, so I'm gonna hold, I'm gonna give that to the field. I'm gonna sit Ingram and I'm gonna start the field just because of what we went through last year. Um, maybe Wyatt Davis has this ridiculous like mind, like, oh, yep, I got it, it clicked. Because eventually it's going to click and you're out there. Um, like Ryan Ryan Clark said, maybe it, it, Wyatt Davis all of a sudden looks around the room and says, I belong here. I'm going to start acting like it. You know, even though people don't treat me like it, I'm going to play and have the mentality that I belong here and I'm just as big, just as strong, just as nasty as the next guy. Um, so I'm going to give it to the field. I'm going to start the field. I'm going to sit. I'm going to sit at Ingram. Uh, I do think, you know, at some point in the year, Ed Ingram will be the starting guard. Um, I just look at his physical tools, like you said, his ability to play tackle and guard. Um, I think that's a huge asset. Um, it's a huge understanding as well to what the tackle has to do in some of these zone run schemes. So that's going to help him better, you know, help out on the double teams, exactly know how he, you know, how he would, if he was a tackle, how would I want it set up so he can do the same thing? That's kind of how, you know, when I play basketball, I can play the point, I can play the four, you know, so when I'm in the post, um, and that's in, Pick a ball in high school. I think I was, I was big. I mean, I said 6'3. I'm more like a Draymond Green, 6'3, 230. I can play the power. Um, I know how I want the ball, you know, so I give the guys the ball the same way I know how I want in the post to make sure it's not a bad pass, it's not a turnover. So I think that's going to help Wyatt Davis the same guard to tackle. Um, not Wyatt Davis, sorry. Um, Ed Ingram, guard to tackle. He understands and knows what tackles really want and need. And maybe that'll help him. Maybe he has something that Wyatt Davis didn't have, which is flexibility. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what's going to happen, but I'm going to sit him and I'm going to start the field. I've got my headline. Ron Johnson compares himself to Draymond Green. Um, <laughs> I, You know, I think a couple of these guys are probably getting cut, too. You you can't have 12 offensive linemen on your roster. I think True. that, you know, I, I of Schlotman, Jesse Davis, and Chris Reed, you know, I think maybe one of them doesn't make this team. I think that Ole Udo might be in a little trouble because it's the final year of his deal. Mm -hmm. He did struggle quite a bit last year. So a couple of these guys won't even be in the mix. And I, I look at someone like Jesse Davis. Yeah, he started a lot of games, but he hasn't been all that effective as a starter. Ingram has, I think, a much higher ceiling. And we said this about Wyatt Davis, too. It's easy to get a little overexcited. Um, but he does have the, the most potential, I think, of any of these guys, just based on where he was drafted, the school he played for, the tools that he has. Um, but I'm also going to go with the field just because – Five guys against one. I think someone else will stand out enough and be a little more, a little better just in the mental part of the game because they played in the NFL before. Mm -hmm. It is hard to be an offensive lineman, especially at guard where things are happening pretty fast. Um, so I'm going to take the field as well. Well, that'll do it for Sitter Start. Uh, stay tuned for the Daily Three. It's coming up next. You know what that is. Three questions, three minutes. But first, before we get to the Daily Three, do you want a smart post-game reaction from insiders that cover your favorite teams check out our locked on sports minnesota podcast on youtube or wherever you get your podcast 
Get instant reactions from our Locked On team hosts, along with prominent reporters like Kevin Gork for the Wild, Brandon Warren for the Twins, and Chalanga Langison for the Timberwolves. No fluff, just 10 minutes of straight analysis after each game. Subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube and never miss a podcast. Well, it's that time, Sam. It's the Daily Three, one of my favorites. That's three questions, three minutes each question. Take it away, Sam. Game two, Wild and Blues tonight. The announcement has already been made. Marc-Andre Fleury will get the start again in net over Cam Talbot. So they're going back to Fleury to try to get them back in this series. Ron, let's get a prediction. Can the Wild bounce back or do the Blues go up 2-0? So I was able to talk to Jordan Leopold today a little bit. I also was with Nate Prosser this morning. Um, I think I think the Wild can get it done. You know, I'm debating if I'm going to the game or not. Uh, got to figure out the kid situation. Uh, but I think it would be a great atmosphere for me to experience. You know, for that being my first wild game, that's probably the best atmosphere ever. So I might be a little spoiled if I do go to a game like this of this magnitude. Um, but I, I definitely do agree that what – and so this is what Nate Prosser said. He said the rebounding that happened where the putback goes. He said it's up to the, it's up to everybody, but he said the defensemen have to lay their bodies on the line. They have to clean the house out. They have to get guys. If they're in the blue area with the, uh, the, the, the guys, the other team, their forwards, he said get their sticks high. So they have to get their sticks under, lift them up. If the sticks are up, nobody can shoot a goal with their sticks off the, off the ice. And he said he just didn't see – he said you look at the, uh, the Blues, those guys were laying down when shots were being – you know, hurled at the goaltender. Um, they're putting their bodies on the line, basically. He said these guys got to ratchet the energy up. Um, he said some of the fighting has to get ratcheted up. He said there was some pushing and shoving, but there wasn't any real, like, bullying or, or like, like physical plays. Like, they have to turn up the physical play. And so hearing him say that, that's that's not hard to do. You know, he equated the rebounds to basketball. Same thing. You box a guy out. You have to get in there first, box him out, get space, clear out that area. You know, keep it clear so that when your goalie can, your goaltender doesn't have anything in his in his way, he can clearly see the shot on goal. He can stop it, um, and, and and that's that's what he said was not happening. So I'm gonna go with him on that. I think the Wild can tie it up one to one. Um, it's tough to win two games in a row, especially on the road. Um, again, the Wild got to sleep in their beds. They got to be around their families. Um, they did not have to travel where St. Louis has been on the road. So that hotel room. It's a little bit smaller every time you go back in there and a little bit more like, I can't wait to get back to St. Louis. Um, and then the Wild can put the pressure on them. One-to-one going to St. Louis is back to 0-0 zero, zero basically. So now the, whoever wins the next game, pressure's back on another team. And if you can steal one in St. Louis and you're up or, or you're tie 1-1, one, one, you can get up 2-1. So I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, I was a little down this morning and just said the series is over. I'm not gonna, it's not over yet. I think the Wild have a chance. Yeah, if this Wild team is what we think they are, which is really good, they will win this game. And I would prescribe the following, Ron, and this is controversial. I would like the Wild to not go on a power play for a long time in this game. I just think they're they're better five-on-five five than they are in the power play. Mm-hmm. And if, they, if they're 10 minutes into the game and they're 0 for 2 on the power play, I think that affects their confidence. I think it gives the Blues extra confidence. I think it gets the fans a little bit depressed. Um, I would rather see them just skate five on five for a full period and sort of do what they do best um, tonight. So that I know they can't control it if they get, you know, 
hacked across the back um, with someone's stick and have to go on the power play. But I kind of don't want him to. So that that's my controversial hot take. <laughs> so you want two in the penalty box? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Give me a five on three. Um, all right. Miguel Sano, twin slugger, is out indefinitely. Meniscus surgery. Uh, this comes at a time when he was hitting five of 54 to start the season. That is an 093 batting average. Sano is potentially a free agent after this season. Could he be done as a Minnesota twin? Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, this is one thing about meniscus. I had that before. Um, baseball, I don't think is as much pounding as football. Um, and enough as much cutting, like you can kind of control depending on which knee, I guess I don't know which knee it is. Um, and so if you look at, oh, left knee. So he injured his left knee. So left knee, technically running the bases, you're pushing off your right. I mean, you do have to use your left to come back sometimes, but you're pushing off your right unless you're stealing. And I don't really see him doing that. But like running around, you're always pushing off that right foot around the bases. So you can kind of like come back sooner. I think a lot of people say sometimes six weeks for meniscus, depending on how bad it's, you know, what what happens in there. Like, is it ripping up cartilage, whatever it might be? Um so I think that's going to be questionable. And then it's all about pain management. You know, once you come back, can you handle the pain? Because there's going to be some swelling, inflammation, uh, inflammation you got to deal with. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the way he's batting 5 for 54, that's that's horrible. Um, and when you look at everybody else, not everybody else, mainly Carrera, you look at him in uh, Buxton and what they're doing and just the energy this team's bringing. Like we brought up, they beat the, the Orioles. And so they have two more, which they probably win those two, most likely. Uh, the next, like I said, 28 games. So now we're down to 27 games. I mean, I'm not going to get too bullish on them, but I do feel like like 20 wins out of 28 is not unheard of for this team. So if they get that done with Sano, you know, rehab in the next six to seven weeks and they pull off some 20 and eight record, why change the chemistry? Like, just move on the next year. I think Minnesota fans and Minnesota sports teams sometimes hold on to guys too long because of the emotional tie to that player. Like, it is a Minnesota nice, even in the front office sometimes, uh, where, where fans get upset when they get rid of somebody that's been here that they've kind of got, you know, love, found a way to love, and it comes back to bite them. So, yeah, I, I, that could be the end of it for him. Yeah, I think it very well could be. I mean, if he does get healthy again, I wouldn't be opposed to trying to get him hitting a little bit and then trading him at the deadline, get a little bit of value for him. Because if he is going to be a free agent, he's got a club option for next year. I, I think that's a, the kind of player that if you can kind of sell him while the stock is high after he's hit some home runs, mm -hmm. you might get something nice in return, maybe a, a nice pitcher, bullpen arm or something like that. Um, so that's kind of the way I would approach it. But I don't think he has a future with this team. Yeah, Last yeah. one. DeAndre Hopkins suspended six games for PED use with the Arizona Cardinals. That's a pretty good chunk of their season, and they struggled a lot last year without him when he was out with an injury. So how does this affect your view on the Cardinals, Ron? Uh, it doesn't affect it much. Now, this is one thing about uh, DeAndre Hopkins. He's one of the top you know, five receivers, in my opinion, in his league. Um, you know, he's had stretches where he's just been absolutely great. Um, you look at the receivers, though, on this roster, and this is the thing. They knew this was coming. You don't trade for Brown if you don't know something's coming down the pike. So whether it was like a, a sample test got sent out and then it got flagged and they were alerted to it and then they had time to, you know, whether it's, hey, you got to come back for another test or, hey, do you want to fight this? Or, hey, yep, my bad. My trainer gave me something I didn't know about. Or, man, I knew I was taking it. I just hope I didn't get caught. Whatever it might be, uh, they now have Marquise Brown. 
You know, they also, as far as top names, you have AJ Green, who's getting up there, his 12th year out of Georgia. Um, you got uh, what's his name, Rondell Moore, kid out of Purdue, had a great you know season last year, or good season last year, a lot of contribution in some of the things they do. Um, but what what you don't have is what DeAndre Hopkins gives you. It's a guy that he's 80-20 on on jump balls because of the size of his hands, his athleticism, um, his leadership, his swagger. Um, he's a guy that doesn't talk much. He goes out there and puts it on the field and just, you know, absolutely battles. And so the, I say the good thing, uh, at least they know going into this offseason what they don't have. And so I think that gives Kyler Murray and Brown a chance to jail before DeAndre Hopkins is back. And then once he's back, honestly, not to say they can rattle off, you know, 11 games if they happen to lose six or they lose four out of two out of six or something early on. Um, it, it, it the thing about the NFL is about that that October November, you know October November December, you know so that first six you know that that September and then early October games, hey you might chalk it up. Every team's not great. It, it's all about like Audra Martin brought up a great you know point when she said on the show yesterday about the bat you know the the GPA or you know the team winning percentage. It's great to get out early. So if you falter. You guys, what the Cardinals are going to find out if they falter early, they have no room for mistakes down the road. And I think that's the only thing really is going to happen with no DeAndre Hopkins. But I, I think, not say they'll be fine, but I think now they have enough time. Cliff Kingsbury is going to be able to create an offense around the new pieces and then without DeAndre Hopkins. They're still going to be really fast with Hollywood Brown and Rondale Moore. Yep. There and Kyler Murray. To add to it, they're going to be speedy. So I still wouldn't want to face that offense. But in the red zone, to have someone sure-handed like uh, Hopkins, I mean, they'll yeah. definitely miss him. But, yeah, I, I think that they can still tread water for six games, at least go three and three while he's out. It's crazy A.J. Brown, you know, uh, or um, uh, A.J. Green is that old. And he's not old, but, like, to me, I'm like, I, I remember when he was a baby. So it's like now all of a sudden this is 13, you know, it's 12th year. I'm like, man. Like this dude's been doing this for 12, 13 years. Um, that made me feel old even just looking at that when, when I was researching the question. Uh, but you're right. Uh, Hollywood Brown left the Ravens for a, a reason. He wanted to be in a spread, throw it deep offense, a high attacking, high, you know, high velocity, high speed offense. And now he has it with the uh, Arizona Cardinals. So it, they're, they're still going to be a formidable, scary team. Um, but honestly, I wouldn't mind getting them early before DeAndre Hopkins. If they can get the Cardinals like last year early on before Hopkins is back, hey, I'll take it. Because AJ Green with Brown now and Rondell Moore, that's a that's a scary team. And Kyler Murray already adds a little fear to it with his running ability. But yeah, no, I, I'd be I'd be okay because I know London that was announced. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, London Vikings. I already kind of speculated before. It is true they will be playing the Saints in London. Um, October 2nd, I think is the date. So, you know, I, I, I wouldn't mind an early since they're going to get London. Hey, give them some of these hard games early before teams get going, uh, since you're forcing them to have to go over to London. Uh, but that'll do it for the daily three. I'm your host, Ron Johnson, and that'll do it for the Ron Johnson show as well. That's Sam extra, my producer, uh, had a great show today. If you have not seen it, please go back and watch sit or start great new segment that we've added sam extram great job on that one uh we want to thank you make sure you check out all the locked on minnesota sports podcast shows you can go on youtube you can also go wherever you get your podcast to download them have a great day